What's up, everybody? I told you I would be back sooner rather than later. This time I kept my word. I'm trying. I'm trying. I've been really busy. Again, I know. I keep telling myself I'm going to do this because I'm finally going to do it. I'm finally going to launch my YouTube channel soon. Soon. Maybe even this week. Just keep an eye out. P-I-T-M TV. But guys, here's episode 28. 28 episodes. Is it going to be about a year since I started this thing? I wish I was more on it. But like I said, I'm going to make the time to be more on it. To pump out content for you guys. But episode 28, a year into this journey. Let's hope we could grow this even more. Okay. Enjoy the show, guys. Deuces. What's up, everybody? We're going to get right into it. So recently we had Jerry Cannonier beat Kevin Gastelum. Czech Congo beat Sergey Karatanov and Kayla Harrison qualified for the PFL final. Is it? There's no shock in any of this. Although I will tell you, Kevin Gastelum is for real. Just because that dude's on a skid does not mean he's not for real. Could he be more disciplined and probably fight at welterweight? Yes. But those are his decisions, bro. Anyway, let's get into it. Jerry Cannonier beats Kevin Gastelum. Mark Madsen beats Clay Guida. Parker Porter beats Chase Sherman. Saeed Karubinov, Karamanov beats Trevin Jones. We're going to get into that guy. Vince Pichel beats Austin Hubbard. Alejandro Pantoja beats Brandon Royval. Austin Lingo beats Luis Sadiana. Ryan Kelleher beats Domingo Parati. Joasi Nunez beats Bea Milixi Kai, Milixi Kai, and then Iago Bracamondes beats Roosevelt Roberts. Dude, that knockout was sick. That's probably KO of the year contender up there with Corey Sanhagen when he needs Frankie Edgar into next week. But the one for me that I was really looking at was this Alejandro Pantoja versus Brandon Royval because I didn't know this until the broadcasters brought it up. Alejandro Pantoja has two wins over Brandon Moreno, who's the current flyweight champ. Because remember, they were both on the season of the Ultimate Fighter looking for the next challenger for Demetrius Johnson when he was murking everybody, so... They did a, a tournament of champions where they brought in champions from different organizations of the flyweights. 
to fight amongst themselves for the, the number one contendership. It was weird because that would like the finals are usually live, but that one they had the finals in the house. So at the finale, he would fight the winner. This is Demetrius Johnson I'm talking about. But anyway, so Brandon was the lowest seed. He was number 16 and Alejandro Pantoja was number one. Ultimately, um, Timothy Elliott ended up winning the season, but he lost in the finale. The landscape at Flyweight has changed because Demetrius Johnson is no longer in the UFC and now Brandon's the champion as he just choked out um, Davidson Figueiredo. And like it's weird because you got Cody coming in to fight Kai Kara France and as much as anybody wants to say they don't want to see the third fight. Davison Figueroa deserves it. Yeah, he got stopped, but still, like I feel he's done enough to get the immediate title shot. Do I like it? No, but I feel like he deserves the immediate title shot. Um, Vince Pichel, he was on the Ultimate Fighter live. He called out um, Gregor Gillespie. That'd be a good fight. I think Gregor beat him once already. So it would be a rematch. And Mark Madsen, I believe, called him out too. I don't know. Gregor seems like a nice guy. He's making enemies left and right. So Calvin, in a losing effort, impressed me. Because he looked better than ever. Again, I feel he should be down at welterweight. I think he's too small for the elite middleweights. People are going to tell me, yeah, but he had that crazy war with Adesanya. Okay, but since then, what has he done? Like, it sounds like I'm going in hard on I like him a lot. But, like, think about it. Since then, what has he done? I mean, it's cool, but, you know, MMA is like Brian Ortega says, what have you done for me lately? So we'll see, man. I mean, he could still stay in the mix. For Jared... We got to see how these other fights at middleweight play out. I'm going to get to that really soon. But let's jump into next week is the tough finale. Now a little backstory. This is going to end up being an all Volkanovski team finale. Because Gilbert Orbina. Where is it? Gilbert Orbina is going to end up fighting Brian Battle. Because originally it was supposed to be. Treshawn Gordon, but he hurt his knee in training. So Treshawn was the last surviving Ortega member because the other three, Brian Battle, Ricky Teresa, and Brennan Heistan, they were all on Volkanovski's team. And Treshawn Gordon knocked out Gilbert Orbina, but he hurt his knee, so they called in Gilbert as the alternate. So it's an Volkanovski finale. I believe that's the the last time that happened is when has that ever happened? I don't think that's ever happened because in the early days they made them switch teams so it could be team versus team but I don't think that's happened in recent memory. And they started off rough for Volkanovski, right? He started 0-4 and he 
picked up the pace and got it to four and four, and most of his guys won their semifinal bouts. And then, unfortunately, the injury bug got Treshawn Gordon and Daniel Urbina, Gilbert Urbina, reached the benefits. So, should be good fights. The headline, of course, is Edson Barboza versus Giga Chikatsian. That's a crazy fight. Crazy fight. Um, there's also Kevin Lee versus Danny Rodriguez, Mak Hamad Moradov versus Gerald Mershort. There's a lot of good fights on here. The the one I'm looking forward to is Danny Rodriguez versus Kevin Lee. Of course, Kevin Lee, Danny Rodriguez stepping in on short notice. I forget for who. You should tell me right here. So Danny Rodriguez is stepping in for Sean Brady. So I wonder, so the the finale fights are going to be the two fights before the main event? So Kevin Lee and Danny Rodriguez are going to fight before them? That's interesting. Should be a good card. I can't wait. Can't wait. And then, okay, let's go to Bellator really fast. I'm only going to talk about one fight. Czech Congo beats Sergei Karatanov, Renekia Choke. Dude, this was a war of a fight. This was a war of a fight because Czech Congo was squeezing so hard on Sergei Karatanov that he tapped out at the last second of the second round. But I'm telling you, the body language showed me that if that round would have went into the third round, Sergei Karatanov probably would have won this fight if he could have held on. And then Logan Storley beats Deontay Shiriho. Shiro. Um, again, Logan Storley was. He fought Amoslav Yamorizmarov. Before um, Yamoslav fought for the belt. And that was a competitive fight. I wonder what he could do in five rounds. That's something I would like to see. So I think Logan Storley should get the next title shot. But of course. Douglas Lima and MVP are going to fight in October. So the winner of that might get the next title shot. So we got to see what happens. So let's look at the middleweight picture in the UFC. Adesanya and Whitaker are slated to fight. Maybe at the end of the year or at some point next year. Paulo Costa is going to fight Marvin Vittori on October 23rd. Jared Cannonier just fought. Derek Brunson and Darren Till are going to fight in two weeks. Sean Strickland and Luke Rockhold are going to fight November 6th. Okay. The fights to look out for are Darren Till versus Brunson and Costa versus Vittori. Because they're so close together, I honestly feel that if Darren Till wins, he's going to fight Jared Cannonier. Just for the simple fact that he's 7 and, and Cannonier's 3. If Pablo wins, he's either going to get the next title shot or fight the loser of Adesanya and Whitaker. If Vittori wins, 
He's banking on Robert to win to try to fight Robert because he's already lost to Adesanya twice. It's crazy, man. I know MMA math doesn't really work, but that's what you got to look at. And then Kevin Gastelum, what can we do? You can have him fight either Uriah Hall or Edmund Shabazian. I mean, the dude is good. I just feel like these guys are too big for him. But we, we shall see. We shall see what happens. We shall see what happens. Misha Tate is coming back. I believe she's fighting October the 9th. October 16th. It says right here, following her victory over Mernam Renau. In her return to the octagon, the UFC has booked Misha Tate against top contender Ketlin Vieira. Combate first reported that Tate will fight Vieira in the main event of a UFC fight night card set for October 16th. According to the report, Tate versus Vieira has been verbally agreed to and is said to be five, the five-round headliner of the card. The fight was made possible after Vieira recently lost her fight against Sarah McMahon, who was forced to withdraw with an injury from their UFC 35 encounter, which opened her up to fighting Tate instead. Tate, 19-7, is the number 8th ranked woman bantamweight contender. The 35-year-old American is the former UFC women bantamweight champion, and she recently returned from a 5-year hiatus to defeat Renau via TKO in July in her comeback fight. It was one of the best performances that Tay has ever had in her career, and she looked to be in fine form to pursue a title shot at 135. One of the best women bantamweights in UFC history, Tate is looking to become a rare fighter to win back the belt in, in the octagon. That's a good fight. It's a harder fight than the one she came back to, but if anybody could do it, it's Misha Tate. Imagine she wins the belt. That'd be nuts. That would be nuts. I mean, let's think about it. What? Where's she? Hold on, before I move on to the next. Let's think about it. She's eight, right? She's going to fight Caitlyn, who's seven. Yana Kuniznayov? She's pregnant. She's out for the foreseeable future. Juliana Pena is getting the next title shot. So, okay. If she takes out Ketlin, let's cross out Yana for right now. Juliana Pena, you cross her out because she's fighting for the title. Her next fight could be Irene Aldana, Aspen Ladd, Holly Holm, or Jermaine Durandamy because the She's already fighting the girl that's already ahead of her. And the two girls after that, we cross one out because she's pregnant. She ain't fighting for the foreseeable future. Or the immediate future, I should say. And then one is already booked to fight for the title at the end of the year. So if she's going to fight up, she's going to fight. She's going to go from number seven to the number four person. Which would be Irene Aldana, Aspen Ladd, Holly Homer, Jermaine Durandamy. If she's smart, she says she wants to fight Holly Holm. 
or she might fight Eden Aldana. I don't know. But I know I know Holly Holm wants that rematch. But think of the position she puts herself in. You beat Ketlin and then you you're gonna fight one of the ones in the top four because the other two, they're not available right now because one is booked, the other one is pregnant. And Yana Kunesnaya just lost. I wonder if she fought pregnant because. It wasn't that long ago. She fought on the McGregor card. I hope she didn't. Because she took a beating in that fight, bro. Okay, now I'm moving on. I felt I was going too fast, that's why. Alexander Gustafsson injured out of fight with Paul Craig. He was supposed to fight on the Darren Till Derek Brunson card. According to MMA Junkie, who quoted an anonymous source with personal knowledge of the situation, Alexander Gustafsson is injured and will not be able to make his scheduled bout with Paul Craig. Gustafsson was due to face the Scott at UFC Fight Night 199 aka UFC Vegas 6 which is slated for September 4th. The nature or severity of Gustafsson's injury is not known at this time. The 34-year-old Swede had been due to appear in his second fight since announcing his retirement from the sport in 2019. In 2020, he announced he was coming out of retirement to face former UFC heavyweight champion Fabricio Verdum at heavyweight. Verdum beat Gustafsson by first round armbar. Yeah, I don't think that was a smart move by Alex. It sucks to hear that he got hurt. I wish him a speedy recovery. So, let's hope he gets back soon. In the meantime, Brendan Allen, or is that his name? Yeah, Brendan Allen said if you're down with it Paul Craig I'm with it it's gotta gotta give these 185ers another reason to want not want to fight me would be dope to test my skills versus yours the problem is he tagged the wrong Paul Craig you gotta tag the right person bro how you want them to see it if you're tagging the wrong person I believe it's the wrong person because this person he tagged has no profile picture and I went into the profile they don't have that many followers so I don't think that's the right Paul Craig it's gotta be the right person but that'd be a crazy fight of course Brendan Allen he beat Kevin Holland he beat some big names he's lost to Sean Strickland but as we can see Sean Strickland's no joke bro in other news um, the Michael Chandler has signed his bout agreement to fight Justin Gaethje on November 6th. Have you guys noticed there's still no location announced? I'm telling you guys, it's either going to happen in Texas or Florida. I don't have any inside information on this, but it's going to happen in Texas or Florida, watch. Or Vegas, if they can figure it out. Okay, now remember last week how I pitched the lightweight Grand Prix? It was supposed to be, if I remember correctly, Goichi Yamauchi versus Usman Nurmagomedov, Benson Henderson versus Brett Primus, Patricio Pitbull versus Peter Quigley, 
And then Patricky Pitbull versus AJ McKee. Well, Bellator ruined that idea because a few days ago they announced Bellator 270, which is going to be in Dublin. And right now on the marquee they have James Gallagher versus Patchy Minks. And the rematch, oh fuck. Also, I meant to say Patricio versus Peter Quigley, who I don't know who I said. So, so they announced Patricky versus Peter Quigley. Whatever I said before that. So let me repeat it. This is the order. I wanted Usman to fight Goichi. I wanted Benson to fight Premis. I wanted Patricky to fight AJ. And I wanted Peter to fight Patricio. That's the right order. Not order, but those are the fighters and the fights I wanted. But Bellator decided to, like, not, like, say, no, we're going to do this. So they officially announced the rematch between Patricky and Peter Quigley. Patricky was winning that fight, and then he got cut, and then they stopped it. But it's going to be in Dublin. We all know that's going to be a ruckus crowd. It's going to be a great fight. It's going to be SBG versus the Pitbull Brothers again. For those that don't know, SBG stands for Straight Blast Gym in Dublin, Ireland. I'm I'm excited for that. Even though I'm kind of upset that they kind of ruined the my Grand Prix. It's still a good fight. Still a good fight. The PFL, okay, so now 80% of the PFL playoffs are in the books. R- Ray Cooper the third beat Rory McDonald. Magomed Kirmanov beat Sai. Granado beat Morice. Harrison beat Fabian. We still got Longhand versus... Kai Bulabev, Kai Bulabev, and then we got Wade versus Jenkins. Rod Yashbov fights Manfio. Capiloza fights Delija, and then we got Car- Carlos Zapato Jr. Cara de Zapato versus Emiliano Sordi, and then we got Fiera versus Hamlet. So we still have the light heavyweights to go and the featherweights, which is this Friday. I'm going to go with Jenkins just because I want to see him do the Ray Lewis dance. And I'm going to go with the Russian Kahi Bularev. And then I'm going to go with Sordi and Fiera, the Clásico of South America. Brazil versus Argentina, bro. That's what I'm going with. And then, no disrespect to Gerardo, Gerardo, but Harrison's going to beat her. And there's only two fights. There's only two fights for her in PFL after this. It's the rematch with Pashikio and then a, a fight with Clarissa Shields. But honestly, that Clarissa Shields fight doesn't entice me just yet because she's so new. Like, we all know all Kayla Harrison has to do is take her down. She's probably going to beat her. 
I'd rather see her go to Bellator. The reason I say Bellator is because one, Chris Cyborg says she'll move up to 155. And then two, uh, Amanda Nunes is her training partner at ATT. And it's not Dan Lambert's fault he's creating all these killers that they have to end up fighting each other because everybody else isn't on their level. Can I tell you guys something? I never said this on this show. And I take it back 100%. I used to make fun of ATT because I'm like, people say they're good and like all their fighters were losing. Again, Dan Lamberg, ATT, Florida, ATT, Portland, ATT, Georgia. I take it all back. Because they are the powerhouses of MMA right now. Even though I understand he's not with the Black Zillions anymore. Kamar Usman, he's like beating them up one by one. He beat Colby. He beat... Masvidal, like a lot of people say, oh, well, Kobe's not with ATT anymore. At the time, he was. At the time, he was. They're saying Poirier might want to throw his hand in the mix there. Like, I don't understand why people don't want to give Usman his credit. I'm going to lose my mind if we don't start giving Kamar Usman his credit. He's not Marty anymore. He's Senor Usman. Like, when you start knocking out dudes like that, dudes that are supposed to be able to knock you out and have the edge over you in the stand-up, I mean, there's something to look at there. I understand he went with Trevor Whitman. He saw something Trevor could give him that he probably couldn't get at Sanford MMA. And you can't knock him for that because he's been on a terror, bro. Like, he made the right decision for himself. I just need... No, I don't need people, but I want people to start putting respect on his name. How did I go from the PFL to Kamar Usman? I don't even know how I got, but people need to start putting respect on my boy Usman's name. Because he deserves it. With that being said, I heard if Nick Diaz wins, he might get a title shot because Usman's manager, Ali Abdel... Abziz has said that, that Diaz brings too much to the table not to give him a title shot. That's an interesting fight. One, if Diaz could stop the takedown or at least get up after he gets taken down. Because Usman doesn't throw a lot of kicks. He has more of a power stance and he'll throw a lot of bombs or he'll clinch with him. But that's an interesting fight. Interesting fight. Manny Pacquiao, he lost to your, your Dennis Ugas by unanimous decision. Manny Pacquiao cannot believe he lost that fight because it goes, speaking with the athletic, Pacquiao still seems stunned at the loss to Ugas, who had stepped into the main event on short notice when Errol Spence Jr. suffered an eye injury in the ring after the fight. Pacquiao said he had suffered from leg cramps that significantly hindered his movement, which he said again days after the defeat. In my entire career, you guys was one of the easiest opponents, Pacquiao said. Okay, don't disrespect him like that. Why are you disrespecting him like that? You shouldn't do that because 
You're already dismissing his skills. You're saying I lost because I was hurt, not because he was better than me. And then he goes on to continue. You guys only has one style and I should have been able to easily move away. You've seen how I move in my fights before. I couldn't move in this fight. My legs just stopped. Pacquiao immediate concern is an attempt to leap from his status as a senator to the presidency in his native Philippines, which would begin in February. But the, but the Filipino legend thinks that he could be back in the ring one more time before that process kicks off. Yes, I can come back in January. I will see about it, Pacquiao said. I know I can. Rematch him if I want. I just need to tell Paul Hay Paul. I was going to say Paul Heyman, but it's Paul. What's his name? Al Heyman. I know it was something Heyman, but I kept saying Paul. Al Heyman. That would be no problem. I think about it because I can't believe that's one of the easiest opponents I ever faced. Okay. Okay. I don't like the way he's taking. He's saying. There's no way I could have lost this fight. I lost because I wasn't 100%. I don't like that mindset because I didn't see the fight, but I saw him get knocked down. He's old, man. He's 42. Like, the fact that he can't accept that he's old, I don't know, man. It, it concerns me a little bit. concerns me. And think about it. He stepped in on short notice and he beat you. What do you think he's going to do with the full camp? You don't think he could beat you worse? Or is it that because it was short notice, he thinks, oh, I didn't prepare for him well enough, so give me a full camp and I could beat him. You guys think that's what it is? Do you guys think that's what it is? Imagine that's what it is. That'd be crazy, right? Crazy. Okay, this weekend, Jake Paul versus T. Woodley. E. Okay. Okay. You guys are gonna get mad. I think Jake Paul's gonna win. Here's why. Here's why. Hold on, hold on. before you blow a gasket. Here's why. I think he's gonna win. He's the younger fighter. He has he put so much pressure on himself. I don't think it's crossed his mind that he could lose this fight. I don't think it's crossed Jake Paul's mind that he's gonna lose this fight. But let's read this article. Teddy Atlas is backing oddsmakers in Jake Paul versus Taiwan Woodley boxing match. Although Paul has only had three professional boxing bouts, and none against actual boxers, his favorite. He's the favorite heading into the sternest test yet in former UFC welterweight champion Woodley. Paul meets Woodley at, in a 190-pound bout Sunday at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland. Although Woodley has one-punch knockout power that won him a UFC title, Alice thinks Paul is coming in with plenty of physical advantages. He's going to be the, small, the smaller guy, the lighter guy, Alice said about Woodley on his show, The Fight with Teddy Ellis, so Paul's the bigger guy, he's strong, he ha has that advantage and he has the opportunity to throw, which is decent, which is a decent right hand that he possesses, 
He's got an opportunity to throw it and land it because of the style of Woodley and the mistakes of Woodley. Woodley stands straight up. He's predictable. He throws that slow jab. He throws it halfway out. He lets you get close. Paul has got a good right hand. He's going to land the right hand. So bad news is Paul's going to knock him out. Atlas lauded Paul for being strategic when picking Woodley, an accomplished fighter known for his power, but a fighter who may be on the tail end of his career. The way I'm looking at it, he took this fight for a reason, Atlas said. He picked this fight for a reason. It's because he can sell it. It's because there's going to be a, a credibility attached to it. He's fighting a guy who's going to be tough. He's fighting a guy who's a striker, who was a champion, and that's part of the reason it's going to sell and part of the reason he picked Woodley because they can attach credibility to this fight, saying the guy could win. Woodley's been a great champion, but Woodley's 39 years old. He's lost his last four fights. He's lost his last two by KO and submission. I'll say it, and this is not being disrespectful. I already said things I needed to say about how much I respect the guy, but he's shot. He, ha he has looked, he has the look of a shot fighter in MMA and UFC. Now a lot of people are going to say because he's a professional fighter and former champion, he's going to beat Paul. He's in a bad place mentally. He's in a bad place physically. He's not in the best place. Now having said what I said, losing those last four fights, 39 years old, he's lost to real fighters. Okay. I'm not going to be that mean like Teddy Alice was because I believe the only way T would lose it. There's two ways he loses. Well, actually one. Because let's think about it. Before I say this, let's think about this. Well, first of all, I want to say I respect Jake Paul. I don't have to like him, but I respect him. Because he's figured out ways to be relevant without YouTube. He's figured out ways. He's like, yo, I could fight. Let me go fight these guys. Like, think about it. This guy didn't grow up boxing, and he he has no fear. Like, you got to respect that about him. Is he? Can he be annoying? Sure. D does he care? Not really. As long as you're talking about him, that's all he cares about. That's what we're doing here. We're talking about him. This is why he's doing what he's doing. You got to respect it. I could respect the hustle. I respect his brother Logan way more. Like his brother Logan seems more likable. But besides the point. For this. Because I cannot find no better. I actually could. But I'm going to call it as it is. For this circus of fights to keep happening. Jake Paul needs to win. He needs to win. The question becomes. Is T. Wood. Gonna fight for reals? Because you know the rumors that Ben Ashwin took a dive. I don't know how true that is. I'm not trying to imply that. But. It's a possibility that it could happen. Because the only real way I see Jake Paul winning. Is if T-Wood freezes up. And like when he fought Gilbert Burns. How he just stood there. That's the only way, but like the way Woodley's been talking recently, it seems different. Like he's gonna go in there, like 
how Conor McGregor fought Dustin Poirier the third time when he went guns blazing and stuff like that. Like, that's the type of fire Tyron Willie's talking with, that he's going to go in there and try to hurt this guy, bro. He's going to try to go in there and hurt this guy. We got to see what's going to happen. But I do think Jake Paul wins this fight, sadly. And don't forget, they made that weird bet. I had it here somewhere. You guys remember Ink Master? Well, if you guys remember, there was a contestant on there named Tattoo Baby. She was on season two and three. She's going to be the one to put the I love Woodley on Jake Paul if he loses or I love Jake Paul if Tyron loses on the loser. Like, it's part of, like, this came out about two hours ago. It's crazy, bro. Crazy. I can't wait. I'm probably not going to watch the fight, but still, I'll hear about it. I'll hear about it. It's going to be on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I want to talk about UFC 266, which is also, again, International Fight Week. It's going to be headlined by Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. This is, I guess, where the ultimate fighter culminates with the coaches fighting. They should have had the ultimate fighter finale on here. They should have had them part of the prelims, in my opinion. Got it, got it. So, yeah, they should have had them on here, in my opinion. But I guess they want them to have their own stage, I guess. So, of course, the big fights are Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega, Valentina Chepchenko, Lauren Murphy. And then Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. That's the people's main event, right? Like people say. And unfortunately, where is that fight? I don't see it anywhere. Unfortunately, Tatiana Suarez was supposed to fight Roxanne Maraferi. But she... Had to get knee surgery, so speed recovers with Tatiana. But anyway, I know I've talked about this fight card before, but it's getting closer. The one fight I feel is getting lost in the shuffle is Marlon Moraes versus Marab Dizbashashvili. That's a good fight. I'm telling you, if this was on any other card, it would be main card. Maybe main event definitely could be co-main event. Let me see where they're at on the rankings. Marab is number 11 and Morais is 6. I love this. I love this fight. This fight is dope. Don't sleep on this fight. So again, definitely co-main or even main event fight night. Or co-main on another card. But because this card is so stacked... I mean, you got the return of Nick Diaz, for God's sakes. If these other two fights weren't championship fights, he'd probably be the headliner. Him and Robbie. But because these other people are champions, you got to respect. September 25th, ironically enough, that's the same day. Anthony Joshua and Alexander Yusek are going to fight. But I believe they're going to fight in the morning. Because they're going to fight 
In London? They're fighting somewhere in Europe. I don't know exactly where. Talking about that. The Till. The Derek Brunson Till fight. It's going to be. From what I've heard. It, it's going to be. In the mo in the afternoon because they wanted it to be in London because they're gonna have a bunch of European fighters on here. Um, Patty Pimblett is gonna make his debut. Tom Aspinall is gonna be on here again. Paul Craig is gonna be on here. From what I've heard, that this fight will be in the afternoon to line up with London because they were trying to have this fight in London but due to the pandemic I guess it fell through so they're just going to take it to the apex oh Saeed Namagamadov was supposed to fight but he got pulled due to visa issues dang that would have been a good fight The UFC's coming strong, bro. And then December, so I was talking to somebody. There's three title fights in the air right now for the December card. You can do, that would be main event. You can do Israel versus Whitaker. But them, it's a little dicey because of the way Australia has their COVID protocols. You need to get like a pass to get back into the country. It's really strict. Or you can do... Ciro Gan versus Francis Ngannou or Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. But who knows, man? I'm telling you, the world is the UFC's oyster, like I was saying last week. The world is their oyster. Either way, we're going to watch. I can guarantee that much. If it's one of those three fights, we're going to watch. If you say you're not going to watch and you're a fan, I'm going to be honest, you're lying to yourself because you're going to watch. You will watch. Let's get into some current events. Let's read this one. Dustin Poirier unfazed by Conor McGregor's latest attacks. I'm just living rent free. Dustin Poirier is too busy living his life to be worried about the ongoing antics of Conor McGregor. Last month, Poirier won his second straight fight over McGregor scoring a first round TKO when McGregor's leg broke. Immediately afterwards, McGregor unleashed a bitter rat aimed at Poirier and his family since then. Notorious hasn't really stopped periodically taking shots at Poirier over social media. Including earlier this week, McGregor's continued aggression has drawn criticism from several MMA luminaries. But for Poirier, he says, these are just actions of a man going stir-crazy. You know, you know what he's saying there? He's like, bro, I already beat him twice. I knocked him out, and then his leg broke. Of course he's going to come after me. Like, when you think, when he's thinking about MMA, he's thinking about me beating him. Like, those are his last two fights. You think he wants to be thinking about that? It goes on to say, it doesn't really bother me. I don't really care, Poirier said during an ESPN plus Q&A hosted by Laura Senko. When I think about it in hindsight, like today, I was thinking about it like the guy's probably losing his mind. He can't really train. He got a, he's got a hurt leg. He's trying to rehab. Rent free, I'm living. 
I'm just living rent free. It's likely made easier for Poirier to take such a magnanimous view of the situation, seeing that he is now one up on McGregor, securing a two to one lead in the rivalry. In turn, McGregor's antics are clearly designed with the intention of getting one more shot at Poirier, but given his injury, that will have to wait. In the meantime, Poirier is moving onward and upward as the presumptive next challenger for Charles Oliveira's UFC lightweight title. Poirier is the number one ranked lightweight in MMA global rankings. Opened as a solid favorite over Oliveira, and the two are are anticipated to face each other sometime later this year. And should he win the undisputed belt, Poirier says he would be interested in perhaps testing himself at welterweight. Of course I would, Poirier said. Those are some big guys, man. We'll see. I definitely can fight at 170, honestly. Now at 155, my metabolism has caught up. When I was cutting at 145 between fights, I got a lot more heavier than I do now. I think my body was getting messed up and holding a lot of weight. I would shoot up to 190 when I was fighting at 145. Now I don't pass 182. That's really the max I walk around at. But I think I could fight at 170. There are some fun fights there. Dang, you're telling me I could get Kobe versus Dustin? You're telling me I could probably get Senor Usman versus Poirier? Okay, let's think about this. Think about it. Think about it. Remember when I said he was taking out ATT one by one? That's another ATT guy right there. What if he takes him out? We got to solidify Kamar Usman. <laughs> I feel like a broken record, but we're going to... By the time this is all said and done, if he's not considered a GOAT, that list is fake. I don't care what anybody tells me. That list is fake. He's a good wrestler. He's showing us he could be a knockout artist. I guarantee you he can choke dudes. He just hasn't done it. I guarantee you he could. Or he just beats him into submission. We know he has the cardio to go all five. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Colby versus Dustin? The trash talk that would be? Let's not forget, like I said last week, the world is your oyster, Dustin, because Nate's even trying to get a fight with him. Because remember he put out that tweet? Don't worry, Connor, I'll show you how to beat this guy. You guys remember that? Do you guys remember that? That's crazy, bro. Like, seriously. Let's do two more. Two more. Two or one more. I haven't decided yet. Ooh, let's read this one. Kayla Harrison opens up a sizable underdog in potential future fights against Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg. Kayla Harrison is just one win away from becoming one of the most sought-after free agents in the fight game. And already odd makers are starting to look ahead. Harris opened as a sizable betting underdog this week in potential fights against her two biggest competitors in the women's featherweight division. Two division champion Amanda Nunez and Bellator champion Chris Cyborg, according to Bet Online. Harrison has opened up as a plus 245 underdog to Nunez, minus 290, and plus 170 to minus 200 Chris Cyborg. 
Harrison, 31, is a two-time Olympic gold medalist in judo. She also has a, a perfect 11-0 MMA record with nine wins via stoppage and the number 11 ranked woman in the sport of according to MMA fighting pound-for-pound -pound rankings. After capturing the PFL Women Lightweight Crown in 2019, along with a, a million-dollar cash prize, her victorious run through the promotion Season 2 tournament, Harrison is a heavy favorite to repeat the feat in her next fight against Taylor Granado Gardado in PFL's upcoming Season 3 finale. The fight represents the last bout on Harrison's PFL contract and Harrison has expressed willingness to explore her options in the open market. They reached out to my manager, Ali, and said that they wanted to start negotiations and I said okay. Harrison recently said on MMA fighting and then they asked me today not to talk about free agency just focus on the fight and I said well okay but send me an offer and we all know what's going to happen. It's not in my hands my job is to fight that's it. I know that if I fight well do my job go out and instill my will that good things will happen wherever they may be. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. <laughs> I like Kayla Harrison's chances in either of those fights. The reason she's such a uh, betting underdog is because of the level of competition she's fought. Doesn't mean she's not good, but I like her chances in both of those fights. The only problem is she fights at 155. We've seen her go down to 145. We know she can make the way. Both those girls fight at there. Chris Cyborg says, I'll fight at 155. Like for me, the more obvious choice would be Chris Cyborg because once she said, I'll fight you at 155, I don't care. She said that. And then two, Amanda Nunes and her are training partners, and that'd be weird. Again, like I said earlier, it's not Dan Lambert's fault. He's creating a bunch of killers. And they all want to go train there. Good on Dan, bro. And he's got affiliations all over the world. I, I believe he has. I believe there was an American top team in Brazil at one point. I'm telling you, there's one in Georgia with, Die with Douglas and Diego Lima. There's one in Oregon. And I believe that's it. But that for the purpose of this conversation, let's call ATT HQ. And then there's also ATT in Miami with, with Yoel Romero. Like his gym is affiliated with ATT. I believe it's called ATT Soldado de Dios. Because ATT HQ is in Coconut Creek, Florida. So back to what I was saying. I believe I like Kayla Harrison's chances in these fights. For her next move, if she wins the belt, I believe she's going to sign with Bellator to fight Chris Cyborg. This is what I believe. Let's do one more. One more. This will be... Kevin Lemonade is missing out on Khabib Nurmagomedov fight. He never really fought a great wrestler. 
I see no lies there. Ahead of a new beginning, Kevin Lee can't help but look back at the one that got away. Lee appeared on the MMA hour this past Monday and talked about the move up to the welterweight division and his upcoming fight with Daniel Rodriguez at UFC Vegas 35 this Saturday in Las Vegas. During his days contending at 155, the Motown Phenom faced many of the division's best, but a long sought-out after matchup with Khabib Nurmagomedov eluded him. Nurmagomedov retired last October as the reigning UFC lightweight champion with an unbellished 29-0 pro record, leading many fans and members of the media to anoint him as one of the greatest fighters of all time. Lee isn't convinced and should Nurmagomedov ever compete again, he'll be right back to campaigning for the fight with the Eagle. I'm effing bug, Lee said. I'm effing bug. Once I got my eye on you, I'm on you. Nothing that happens can deter it. That's just a guy that I want to test myself against. And yeah, he's a great champion and all, but people even now are starting to see that he didn't really have the challenges that he should have had to really be an all-time great. He never really fought a great wrestler. That was something that I was seeing the whole time coming up. I feel like you're starting to see now that he's getting a little more vocal and people are sitting back and really looking at his whole career. They're really seeing it for what it is, not just all this hype and all these Russian bots that kind of get behind him. Lee went 11-5 fighting at lightweight, including a pair of bouts that became catchweight after Lee missed weight. He holds notable victories over Gregor Gillespie, Michael Chiesa, and the UFC Vegas 35 headliner Edson Barbosa. He also fought Tony Ferguson for an interim lightweight title, losing by third round submission after a competitive start. Despite facing a who's who's of the division's best, Lee can't help but wonder how his career arc would be different if he had the chance to face Nurmagomedov or Nurmagomedov's teammate and current lightweight contender Islam Mahashev. It's a little disappointing, Lisa, when asked about not fighting either man. Sometimes I say a little too much and I feel like they got a good manager. Ali's a smart man. He's seen me around a lot and they did the best to keep them on the right path. It's a little disappointing that the fight never happened with me and Khabib. If he doesn't come back, but I see the man's out there playing soccer, so who knows? Maybe I might pick up a soccer ball or something and kick something around. And we can have a little one-on-one match one of these days. Who knows? Dude, that Kevin Lee guy, I know he has an attitude that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but I like the dude. Like, he look at He's saying, yeah, he's a great champion and everything, but if you really peel back the layers of that guy's career, who has he fought that had good wrestling credentials? And he's not the only one that said it. He's He also said, Ben Ashkin was the one that said it. Like, he's never really fought anybody that was a wrestler. Conor McGregor, when he had that outburst with Stephen A. Smith, said it. Like, he's like, dude, if you really look at it, his early career is not that impressive. The way Conor's saying it, he sounds bitter, right? But if you peel back what he's saying and like take it at face value without any of the emotions into it, what he's really saying is that his early career is not really that impressive. But we'll see, man. Like, 
I'm excited for this fight. Again, I like Kevin Lee. I love Danny Rodriguez. I'm still mad that people don't give Danny Rodriguez the media he deserves. Like, why didn't they put Danny on the MMA hour? Hmm? I know he was on the Schmoes podcast recently. I tried to talk to him, but... I got hit by a wall. I'm just going to leave it at that. But Danny Rodriguez deserves more media attention. That's all I'm going to say. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to... Okay, I'm going to talk about this. So, I saw this yesterday. I don't know when when it came out. But Khabib deems, deems ring girls the most useless people in martial arts. Khabib Nurmagomedov has moved into the next stage of his fight life. He accepted the role of masterful head coach with Grace coaching several of his Dagestanian and American kickboxing academy peers to success in recent months. In addition, Nurmagomedov has launched his own fight promotion, Eagle FC, which airs on UFC Fight Pass. As the Eagle in charge, Nurmagomedov can do as he likes with his promotion, which has hosted several events already. Notably, there has been no ring girls at the show, a decision Nurmagomedov elaborated on in a recent press conference. Look, okay, these are Khabib's words. Look, I don't want to offend anyone. Ring girls are the most useless people in martial arts. What is their purpose? I have a question. You can show that it is the second round on the screen, Khabib said. I realize that is a history. History knows many mistakes. We read history to avoid mistakes of the past and the future. If we look in the history, it says they are useless. That is my personal opinion. While repeatedly reiterating that this is solely his opinion and applied to his own promotion, Nurmagomedov explained that the presence of the ring girls made him uncomfortable. He also acknowledges that different the that difference in culture. For example, I sit with my father. Every person has his own preference, the culture and values. I come to fight night with my father. These people are passing by and showing that it is the second round. But no one looks at the plate. Khabib added, I feel uncomfortable with my father. I am not against it. If you want to do it, you can do it, but don't impose it to me. Do it aside. There are designated places for it. I think we must not mix all of it. This is my private opinion. In all seriousness, Khabib's beliefs and opinions should not be shocking given the background and previous statement. The ego is a devoted Muslim who grew up in the mountains of Russia. Is it a surprise that he values that his values do not perfectly line up with a more common Western viewpoint. Besides, he's not the first champion to take shots at ring girls. I mean, it's true. It's true. You have to look at his background, his religious beliefs, and then you have to look at the beliefs of that religion. I mean, I like, he's saying it right here. He's like, if you like it, you like it, but don't tell me that to put that on my show. That's basically what he's saying. Which I gotta respect him for. I respect him for that. Yes, I do. Okay, I got one last thing and I'll let you guys on out of here. So, you guys know Brendan Shop's like show slash podcast Food Truck Diaries? Well, I guess they're looking to book John Jones the Fighter on it. 
And there's this other guy named John Jones. He's, I think he's from England or somewhere. I don't know where he's from, but he's his name is also John Jones. And they mistakenly send him the email instead of John Jones the fighter. The dude's tweet goes, LOL, Brandon Shop is looking forward to setting up a pre-taped multi-camera 45-minute interview, in-person interview with you on Food Truck Diaries regarding your well-known career as a professional MMA champion fighter. But this isn't John Jones the fighter. This is his tweet. And he like took a screenshot of the email, but he blurred out the names and stuff like that. I'll read the email, but it goes. This this is the John Jones. I replied, hi. I'm definitely interested in this, but I'm probably not the John Jones you're thinking of. This is me. If that's not a deal breaker, I'd be happy to discuss this further. Thanks. So the email reads, Showtime Podcast, Food Truck Diaries, Pre-Tape, Multi-Camera In-Person Interview Request for John Jones in Los Angeles for August or September. Hi, John. My name is... I am the founder and senior talent booker for Hollywood-based talentbooker.com and talent booker for Showtime series Below the Belt with Brendan Schaub and the popular Showtime podcast Food Truck Diaries with Brendan Schaub. Below the Belt explores the intersections of combat, sports, and pop culture through the eyes of former MMA fighters Brendan Schaub and features interviews with the biggest names in combat, sports, and entertainment. Food Truck Diaries features Brendan and a well-known combat sports guest discussing life career and sports while dining at a food truck at the Food Truck Diaries production location in Los Angeles and Santa Monica. Brennan is looking forward to setting up a pre-taped multi-camera 45-minute in-person interview with a professional MMA fighter for Tuesday, August 24th, Wednesday, August 25th, Tuesday, August 20, uh, 31st, Wednesday, September 1st, Tuesday, September 7th, Wednesday, September 8th, Tuesday, September 14th, Wednesday, September 15th, Tuesday, September 21st, Wednesday, September 22nd, Tuesday, September 20th, okay, and so, Food Truck Diaries will provide a round-trip airfare, a one-night luxury hotel accommodations at Blank in Los Angeles for the interview. You may reach out to your to your convenience 24-7, including the weekends. Email me at Blank, as well as by phone in Los Angeles on my mobile by call or text at thank you very much best regards <laughs> this is funny I wonder how long this guy's been doing this that he would mess up this bad I'm not trying to make fun of him or anything this just sucks cause it's gonna make the show look bad it's gonna make all this other stuff look bad it's gonna make talentbooker.com look bad because he is the founder and senior talent booker for hollywood based talentbooker.com and talent booker for showtime series below the belt with brendan shop and popular showtime podcast food truck diaries with brendan shop i wonder if it's that he hasn't been doing it for very long but he must have been doing it to have a job like that right that sucks, man, because, like, people are just going to be like, oh, man, the booker, the booking agent for that show, he's a clown. I don't think that, but it's a mistake. 
again. That sucks for him, whoever it is. I'm glad this guy had the courtesy to, to blur his name out so nobody... Although, I bet you I could find him since he put, I'm the senior talent booker of Hollywood-based talentbooker.com. It's not that hard to find someone. <laughs> but that's all I got for you guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember this weekend. Oh, did I say who I got this weekend? So this weekend, I got Giga Chikatsian. I'm going to go with Brian Battle and Ricky. What's his name? Ricky Torricios. It's an all Volk finale. And I got D-Rod. So I got D-Rod, Ricky, Brian Battles, and Giga Chikatsian. It's a crazy fight. Anyway, guys, have a good day, good weekend, and I'll see you all later. Episode 28, can you believe that? I wonder if you guys caught it. Last week, I kept saying episode 28, and it was really 27. But this one is episode 28 for sure. I know that much. All right, guys, stay safe. Deuces. On Jake Paul versus T. Woodley. I want T. Woodley to win, but I think Jake Paul is going to win. Sorry, guys. T. Woodley's going to have to get I Love Jake Paul. Tatted by Tattoo Baby.